Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Welcome to Midpoint, your weekend, mid, and not weekend, your midweek connection <laughs> to Orchards Community Church. We always like to have a good time. So I'm Forrest Jenkins, and joining me across the table is uh, Pastor James Green. I'm here. Yes. And uh, this past Sunday, we jumped back into the Anchored series after Advent and Christmas. And so in the year 2024... Can you believe that? Yeah. We're going to join back up with Paul and Silas uh, as they travel into Philippi, which was a very important city of the time. And uh, interestingly, though, they were directed there Mm -hmm. by the the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of Jesus, away from Asia Minor. Mm -hmm. And we find that God still has a plan. He puts us where we <laughs> need to be. Figured, yeah. Who would have known? So in this uh, sermon entitled The, the Church mm-hmm. at Philippi, mm-hmm. we learn in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 40, about the process of a new church plant uh, right there in Philippi. Yeah. So we get to watch the formation... Of a brand new church. Of a brand new church. So that's pretty exciting. So James, in, in, uh, in this, you focus on the four diverse testimonies. Yeah. Of a businesswoman named Lydia, who was uh, not originally from Philippi, she was no. there on business. Yeah, so, exactly. And uh, they originally met up on on Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is a slave girl. That's fortune an teller story. Yes. Yeah, that's an interesting story. <laughs> and then uh, we learn about the prisoners that are in the jail with yeah. Paul and Silas. Uh, they have a testimony, and then also the jailer and his household. Yeah. So God, ha- God has a way of encompassing yeah. all of these people in that city. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, I want to apologize if I need to apologize. I don't want to be that guy who's who's trying to, to force God's word into a certain direction. Like Lydia's testimony, pretty sure of. The jailer's testimony, pretty sure of. Mm-hmm. They go and get baptized. With the demon-possessed girl, with the prisoners, like there's nothing in Scripture that says, yeah, these folks immediately went and gave their life to Christ. But I just think that's the logical step for where they were. And so I think they were part of this church yeah. that met there in Philippi. Yeah, they were an integral part of yeah. that church planting, that whole process. There, I think though God, we just yeah. don't hear much about. No, but but I think God placed them there as part of that initial church plant. Yeah, so. yeah. So there is a there is a ton to unpack here. There's a lot of verses. <laughs> took up a page and a quarter on the sermon notes. It's a big passage. Uh, but there was opportunity to write lots of notes too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I might just emphasize that I had a little discussion with Wesley yesterday. As a matter of fact, the value of picking up the sermon notes and taking pen in hand and writing notes and thoughts as the sermon is yeah. going will keep you engaged in what's happening there. Yeah, good students do that. I mean, if you took a class in college, you did that. You took notes as you went along. I think it's just a way to engage. So I I, I strongly yeah. encourage people I, to do it. Yeah, yeah, I've learned a lot by doing that. Yeah. It was kind of occasional before, but mm-hmm. about every time I do that now. Yeah. So it's very good. My wife is my example in that. She is phenomenal. She, and she keeps the record and she goes back and looks through stuff. And I mean, she is really yeah. great. Yeah, and I watch she's, her. She's an educator too, but I mean, she's a note taker and I love right. that. Well, I'm sure that you guys go and have your own little midpoint she, yeah, <laughs> conversation She tells too. me all the things she wished I'd made clear. No. <laughs> that, that can be helpful though. Helpful and humble. And humbling at the same time. Yeah. So uh, before we jump into questions uh, that we did receive from a few of our con- yeah, uh, congregation, thank, thank you guys so much for that. We did uh, did really well. Mm-hmm. Thank you for 
submitting your questions. James, is there anything that you'd like to illustrate that you just didn't couldn't work it in or didn't have time to do? Well, and that's the beauty of this, and maybe this really was just perfectly kind of in line. We got a lot of questions about things that we could have spent a bunch of time on in the service sure. and just didn't have the time to do. And that, to me, highlights the importance of something like this podcast. We can come back and go, hey, in this, we didn't really plumb the depths here. Where are your questions? And, and people had great questions with that. Yeah. So that's the thing that I just really encourage us to do. If there's something we hit, especially this week, like we have a big passage of Scripture, we're not going to be able to dive to the bottom of every part of that. Right. And so if you have a question, this is where we can address There's no time limit on midpoint. Like, we can spend the time right. here right. doing those kind of things. So I, I think we'll address some of the things that I wish I could have spent more time on right here in these questions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Good stuff. True, true. Yeah. And we found uh, in, our, in our small group that meets at our house Sunday afternoon, we will also tend to chat a little bit yeah. about the sermon too. Sometimes we deliberately go through, yeah. and in our group, we are doing an Acts uh, video series yeah. by Louis Giglio, uh, and that happened to have been the one we oh, just really? encompassed oh, the good, good, yeah, good timing, the yeah. same sermon into it. So, um, so some good questions from the congregation. The yes. first one, mm-hmm. which we've run across this before, mm-hmm. why is the color purple? Or the purple cloth. Why mm-hmm. was that so important back yeah. in the day? Well, and that honestly, and, and we just never take a lot of time to talk about this, and I'm not the, the, the foremost authority on this, but that's really just a supply and demand issue. Um, th- th- we did not have modern you know, manufacturing and the ability to create stuff sure. out of thin air the way right. we do today. The only way you got purple back in the day was from a dye that came from this really rare predator snail. I can't remember the name of the yeah, snail. Yeah. But but it was a snail that was found in these tropical locations, and it was o- only in these coastal areas, and it was in real shallow water. I wish I remember the name of the snail. I should have looked it up. Uh, but, but, I mean, that was where you got it. And so it truly was. It was not plentiful. And you think about anything right, that's expensive right. today. I mean, like mm-hmm. pearls or gold. Or, it's because it's not plentiful. Well, that was the deal back in the day. Purple was very hard to come by. Supply (laughs) and and demand. Yeah. And so if you got this, you know, dye from this snail and could make Mm -hmm. purple cloth, it was expensive. And so Thyatira just, it was was inland, but it was a place that had a burgeoning business in this where they collected the snails, they harvested that dye, and they dyed fabrics that color. Okay. And they made a lot of money. (laughs) I think so. Which is also... I guess the bottom line of supply and demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think I'd read some time back that uh, later on mm-hmm. they they found plants, yeah, herbs, yeah. whatever, uh, that they could make purple cloth yeah. with the dye with. And it was wasn't not quite exactly, the, yeah, it was, wasn't exactly as vibrant. Right. But, and that's the deal. I mean, dear goodness, that there's this whole thing with the Stanley thermos cup that's, you know, driving, sweeping the nation and, and people are going crazy battling, you know. It's just a thermos. Give me a break. Right, right. <laughs> well, they're knockoff thermoses that look just like it now. If you you pay two hundred dollars for the Stanley right. thermos, you can buy one online. Looks just like it for twelve ninety nine. Yeah, and and that's the deal. The, the people will always come and take that thing that's the hot thing, and you can get a knockoff a lot cheaper. Yeah. Go to, go to New York, go to any big city, and walk down the streets, and you'll buy fake Rolexes and fake Louis Vuitton stuff. Sure. I mean, you know, and and so yes, uh, somebody finding a way to mimic. The dye of that snail just makes sense. That's yeah. that's what's going to happen. But back in the day, back when Lydia was making all her money on this, that was the only way to get that purple dye, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. why it was so expensive. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, the the affluent yes. wore it. Were the ones uh, yeah. the royalty wore it. Those types of things. They were the only people who could afford it. Yeah, the only ones that could afford it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, similar or not similar question. Next question. Yeah. It was amazing how Paul and Silas persevered while spreading yeah. the gospel. Uh, and at the same time, the persecution that they went through. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if I could do that same thing, this person says. So how, how can we be encouraged today to stay uh, strong in the faith? Yeah. I, I think that's such a good question because it does start to, to impact our practical theology. But I admitted it, you know, standing there on the stage. I don't know that I'm singing in that situation sure. <laughs> that Paul and Silas are in. And again, I believe by God's sovereign hand, Paul put himself there because he could have got out of that. He could have claimed his Roman citizenship right up front yeah. and got out of the whipping. He didn't do it because he was that obedient to follow after Paul's plan. I, I want Paul to get, this is a weird word to say, I guess, I want him to get the credit that he is worthy of because he was a guy who was just sold out to the Lord. Right. Paul didn't want that kind of credit. Paul always wanted to point to Jesus. And that's the, that's the reality. If there's ever a time where we are sold out in our devotion to God's plan and our obedience to his will, mm-hmm. he's the one who gets the glory. But I fall short there, like I say, and, and, and to the person who submitted the question, I get it. Like, I don't know that I could do that either. I don't know. This is where it's fun, and this is the conversation we could have for hours and hours. I don't know that we experience the same types of persecution. Right. That, that was my thought. Yeah. But I got to say, those were a couple of tough dudes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That were... <laughs> That were accosted by the mob. Yeah. And then... Sat and beat in the public square, thrown into max security, and still willing to praise and sing. It it should be inspiring to us. It it honestly should. I don't know. There's stuff, you know, um, everybody has decisions to make. Uh, I don't want to belabor things that might be hard for people, but you go back to the pandemic and you go back to things that that arose from COVID and, and issues like that. Right. Um, I know personally in, in my family, you know, we made a choice where Christina quit her job because of things that felt a lot like overreach in sure. yeah. <laughs> in education yep. and in government. And that when we had that choice to make and she went and got a different job and it's, it's a job that pays less, but she likes the job, mm-hmm. you know? If you really believe in something, you'll make hard decisions, yeah. you know? And, and so that's the thing. Is that persecution? Mm, I don't think it's this kind of persecution. Not that kind. No. Yeah. It's still hard decisions. Yes, yeah. but it's hard decisions we have to make. And so we always have to ask ourselves that question. Am I going to align with the thing that God says is best, or am I going to cave and do the thing that is easier? That right. might make me more financial you know, money. It might make me spare a beating. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are questions that each person has to individually ask. So yes, I mean, I, I'm trying to, to summarize this in a way that is far too simplistic for as deep a question this, as this is. Everybody gets to make that choice. Am I going to say I'm willing to die to myself? I'm willing to put aside some creature comforts. I'm willing to do whatever mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. follow hard after this thing God has for me. That's a decision you're going to have to make. Right. You can't make them for him. I can't make it for him. We can, and I pray as, as ministers, as pastors, as shepherds, that we are pointing people to go, hey, this is the area where right. God wants you to make that yeah, call. We, we can't make that decision for you. But I can't make you. the decision for him, no. And, but the, the part of that, what I'm thinking about is, are, are, uh, are people taking enough risk in their life? Yeah. Are they putting themselves out there yeah. to where once in a while they have to make that hard decision? Yeah. I think that's telling because, yes, there's some hardship there, but that's where growth happens mm-hmm. too. And God wants us to take some risks there. And all those things do not play out in a, even a short time frame sometimes. I, the only thing I guess I can personally speak to in that, and I've shared part of this in my testimony, uh, nine years ago, I chose to leave the city that I'd been born in, had lived in my whole life, yeah. because I really felt that the church where God had me on staff had done something that was outside lines. 
we were not following hard after the thing God wanted us to do as a group of leadership and our elders. We yes. made a bad decision. And I was like, I can't be part of that. Well, what, what ended up happening? I moved my family 2,100 <laughs> miles yeah. across the country. With four to, little kids. To, with four little kids <laughs> to a place I'd never been before. And have there been lots of ramifications of that? Oh, dear goodness, yes. I mean, in that next year, my dad died. Christina's dad died. You know, would it have been really nice to have been at home? when? The, of course. Sure. But do I still feel like we followed God? Yeah. Is that persecution? I don't think that's persecution. But I think what I experienced that led me to that was. <laughs> yes. I, I really do because because I had the choice. Like I was offered, hey, we want you to stay in this job. We want you to stay at this church. We just don't want you to do this thing that I really felt God was calling me to do. Right. And their reasoning for not having me do it was not biblical. It was it was very personal. Right. And so I stood up and said, no, we didn't yeah. do that right. You, you know? had conviction. Yeah. And so was I persecuted? Yeah. But I wasn't beaten. <laughs> yeah. But there were serious consequences in my life from that decision. And so that's the thing. Sure. Are, we, are we willing to case by case look at those things in our life and go, this I feel clearly is the thing God is leading me towards, but it's not the easy thing. And it's going to literally weigh on my family. And you know, Well, yeah, sure. but, but if we feel like we're following God, it's the only thing to do. So everybody has that opportunity. Are, are we going to end up in a Paul and Silas situation? I pray we don't. I pray, I pray nobody has to go through that. Right, right. But if we did, would we be willing? And and these are the things. And, and again, I appreciate just the the complexity of it for people like, well, we ought to try to. And I mentioned this in the sermon. We ought to try to legislate that people have to do this a certain way or have to do that, and that would alleviate you know anybody you know who's trying to to promote a different agenda that that isn't Christ. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the thing that we're supposed to do. I think we're supposed to case by case go, how am I going to stand up for this truth? As opposed to, to right. trying to force somebody yeah. towards belief. Because yeah. belief is about our own personal <laughs> conviction in that. Right. And, and so that's the thing. I, I know. I just I, I know from myself personally, and I know from the many, many people I've talked to, nobody signs up for it. Boy, gosh, I hope I get persecuted. You know? <laughs> like, like, and, no. and then have the jail fall down around yes, your ears. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, but that's the incredible thing. Mm-hmm. Not only did Paul and Silas say, yeah, will, more than willing to go to jail for that, they trusted that God would deliver them. And he did. And he did. Yeah. And so that's the thing. If we don't put ourselves out there kind of in the ether to be able to experience the blessing, well, you got to be on the on the cliff's edge a little bit mm-hmm. to experience that blessing. Right, right. And so many of us, we don't want to wander anywhere near <laughs> the edge of the cliff. Right, right. How mu- and, and again, that's just a question then, not again for you or I to judge, but well, how, how seriously do you take your faith? How much do you really trust in God's right. sovereignty? Yeah. Are you saying, well, God says he's good, but I'm going to stay away from that because, you know. And I think what we do in that regard then is just kind of rob ourselves of blessings. Because God's trying to put us in a spot where we could experience the deepest blessings that He has for us, mm-hmm. and we don't put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm just speaking in such generalities, but for each one of us in our lives, we can probably look at stuff like that and go, "Oh, that was that situation for me. That was the time that I had the opportunity to go. Am I going to follow you into this hard, hard thing, Lord, or am I going to back up and go? Yeah, I'm right. sure. I'm sure you wouldn't lead me well, that way. Well, and the uh, the present day equivalent, maybe. <laughs> Let's. What what can we do? What can we do to gain conviction or show conviction mm-hmm. or, or in our faith um, when we talk about um, serving? Yeah, in the church. Sure, sure. That's a good. Well, example. I'm kind of a introvert. I don't want to do that. Yeah. God can give you strength to do that. The yeah. Holy Spirit will work through you to mm-hmm. do that. Um, am I tithing like God wants us to? 
you know, with a with a willing sacrificially, yeah, yeah with a willing heart. Um, well, I don't make much money, so I can't really give much. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Are you doing anything in that area? Well, and, and again, th- those um, are neat examples. If we are walking with people and we have the relational connection, to say, well, God doesn't need your money. It's not like God's poor and needs you know. Right. God's got everything. Mm-hmm. He wants your heart. Sure. And the attitude of your heart to be, hey, this is all God, so I'll just give it back to him anyway, and he'll take care of me. Because that's a much, much bigger picture and a more realistic picture of where we're supposed to be in our relationship. Right, right. But you don't Getting get there. connected. Yeah, you don't get there yeah. overnight. <laughs> that's right. a process. Right. And, and it's part of our sanctification journey. But but that's the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I, I know, like I guarantee even looking back at my life, there are areas where I have not experienced the abundance that God desires for me. Because I was too cautious to step out there. <laughs> right, right. I, I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah. yeah. So, and and the the older I get, the more convicting that is, you know. But and I still stink at it, you know. Like I, I think about my kids, which I always think like I don't want them to experience a hardship or a trial. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's when we grow the most is when we <laughs> we persevere through trials. And here I am going, but I don't want that for my kids. Well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I shouldn't go out and pray that they wind up in these weird... But when a trial comes, I should be like, well, fantastic. Here's an opportunity for you to learn from that. Yeah. And I know yeah. I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's, it's you will. <laughs> you don't Just want wait. to live your in, kid, in your house your forever. Your kids will get a little older and you'll get it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question came in. Yeah. Um, it seemed that uh, they knew the fortune teller was demon-possessed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's a neat part of that passage. How would we know today if someone was demon-possessed or just different? Yeah. I, I wish I knew how to answer that. <laughs> I, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a wisdom to that. I think you got to try to connect. I think you have to, you know, we, we preach it all the time, this relational connection idea. There are homeless people living here in Lewis Clark Valley who I would imagine... Um, and I've talked to some of them, certainly not all, mm. struggle with whatever you want to call it, men- mental instability, uh, mental disease. And there are some people who are just down on the luck and, and a situation, they lose their job and, and everybody's living paycheck to paycheck. And the next thing you know, they're, I mean, there's all those things. Right. Are we willing to hear somebody's story? Are we willing to invest in their life in such right. a way? The reason that many of us don't is because we know that's not a, a one-hour conversation or, or, or even a one-day. It's like we could end up opening our, ourselves up and our lives up to now, true. what are we going to do for this person? So I get why we're cautious in that. But let's be honest. I mean, let's just be super honest here. It's just you and me. Could some of that be demon oppression or demon possession? Yes. I, I really do believe it could. Mm-hmm. We read the Gospels where you see so many more accounts of this, of, of demon possession and demon oppression mm-hmm. and, and people being delivered from demons. Well, that, that was in that dispensation of time. That's the way God was working at that time where the church was, well, gosh, in the Gospels, the church hadn't even been planted yet. Right. Yeah. And, and so that, that was the way that he was dealing with that right. at that time. As it is now, you do have established churches and you should have. And again, I wasn't trying to throw it in as something cute or fuzzy or whatever. Like if we would encounter a demon, scripture tells us how we're supposed to, to deal with that. But that I think scares the snot out of lots of people. You know? mm-hmm. and, and so would we, if that you know, situation came up, realize, hey, as a genuine Christ follower, the same power that raised the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit used to raise Jesus from the dead is the power that I have in me. And I will claim that power and I will point towards the mighty name of Jesus. And there's no way a demon can stand up to that. There's mm-hmm. just no way. Mm-hmm. But we see movies and we're like, oh, you know, and we get all freaked out. <laughs> well, well yeah. I understand that. Like, I, mean, I understand where the fear comes from. There's nothing stronger 
than our faith in the name of Jesus, period. Right. So, so will we trust in that? Well, that's a different question, and now you got to start walking down a different path. But, but to the bulk of that question there, how do you know the difference? I think you have to talk to somebody. I think you have to be willing to hear a story. I mm-hmm. think you have to, to be willing to say, would I help in this situation or that situation? And I wouldn't put it past God whatsoever to put people who are struggling with either demon oppression, which again could happen to somebody who is a Christ follower and, and they're just being picked on, or demon possession, somebody who doesn't know the Lord and they're literally being indwelled by a demon. Right. Wouldn't it make sense God would put somebody like that in the path of someone who's a Christ follower who has the ability to actually deal with that? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so do we see ourselves as being used by God as a vehicle in that opportunity? Now, I, mean, I always think of the, the famous... Uh, who was Drew the Far Side, Gary Larson cartoon, yeah. where the, the guy's laying on the couch and the psychiatrist is there and he just writes on his notepad, just plain nuts, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, some people are just plain nuts. Well, I'm not trying to, to make light of that or like that. There, there are lots of people who struggle with mental issues, deficiencies, and it could come from an accident. It could come from an addiction thing or like that. Right. And that doesn't mean they're demon-possessed. But how are we going to know that? We have to be willing to hear their story. We have to be willing to spend some time with them. And I just think we're so guarded in that. And, and I've been guarded in that myself before. Mm-hmm. There have been times I know I've passed on opportunities because I had one of my kids with me, especially when they were younger. Sure. And I'm like, there's no way I'm sitting and talking to this person who's babbling to themselves in front of my kid because, oh, goodness, it could scar them. Or, you know, should I have waited in there? Well, God calls me to be a good steward and protect the children that he gives me. And so you got to weigh those things out. Yep. you got to balance those things. Lots of situations like that. I've talked with Christina a zillion times because she has a real heart for this. Like she would just help anybody. She loves it. You know? And so like I'm like, don't stop your car if you're by yourself. Right. And there's somebody out there begging. Like I don't want and you. And if you got three kids yeah, and they like, want you, you to get out you of your car. You don't stop for that. She's right. like, well, but I want to help them. Yeah, but use, <laughs> use the brain God gave yeah. you and, and, and don't put yourself in that spot. And she, again, praise the Lord for my wife. She just trusts the Lord. It's like, well, if God's got me, it's like, well, yeah, that's true theologically. <laughs> but I can't be there to but, protect you. And, and that's exactly <laughs> it. And, and, and so I'm trusting myself to try and protect her more than God can protect her. Right. If God wants us to be involved in such a like but but he does. Again, he gives us free will. He gives us good reasoning. He gives us the ability to process through situations like that. And, and you don't put yourself in a bad spot. My dad lived for a few years in New York when he was going to art school. And uh, he had a buddy that, that was in school with him and he got mugged three or four times. Hmm. And my dad never got mugged. And, and I asked him, I was like, how come you didn't get mugged? He goes, I didn't walk down dark alleys. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Don't put yourself in situations Don't like that. Don't put yourself in those spots. Yeah. yeah. And that's really the question. So so I'm trying to help, you know, in that. But but again, and she has, um, and, and there's so many other factors to play into that. Is it in the middle of the day you're in the Clarkston Walmart and I'm not as worried about somebody doing something goofy or creepy as opposed mm-hmm. to I'm in New York and I'm walking down an alley at night. You just don't do that, you know? Right. So lots of questions to ask. But but I think the heart of that question is how do we know? I think that's got to be relational. You know, when we, when we I'm going to say preach, and we do, when we talk about the importance of relational connection mm-hmm. as our purpose here at the church, that's not just at the church. That's God's desire for all people. We are relational beings. We're created in the image of a relational God. Right. And so are we willing to invest and find out more about people? How many of us, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, how many of us know our neighbors? I remember you telling them stories of an African-American guy who lived across the street from you down, yeah. you know, and, and that you were one of the few people who was like, well, I'd, I'd like to know that guy. 
I'd like to reach out. Sure. And say, yeah. I think we should know our neighbors. I think we should know the people around us. Because then, what a great opportunity if something comes up for you to be able to minister, you know, to be able to use yeah. by God. Yeah. If you don't know them at all, what's the chance they're yeah. going to show up on your door and, asking? And for we something? had those conversations, yeah. but he was a pretty outgoing guy. Yeah. yeah. And he wanted friends. Yeah. Um, and he was a good guy. I don't, yeah. I don't know what he's up to right now <laughs> specifically, but I hope he's doing well over yeah. on the west side. But I am. Yeah. Again, you, you, you have to be intentional about those kind of things. Yeah. It, all that to be said, I, and I, I'm not trying to hedge my bet on this, some people are dealing with mental issues. And some people are, I truly believe, dealing with issues that come from demonic spirits and things like that. I mm-hmm. think that's very real still today. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Leading right into our next question. Another good question. Uh, in a way, uh, what makes divination different than prophecy? Yeah, that was one that I really, had we had a bunch of time, I could have spent more time walking down that path because the text clearly says this girl had a spirit of divination, which I guess the questions come into, well, what kind of power does Satan give somebody in that? Because I believe Satan's powers are limited, Um pretty severely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the prince of this world and, and God gives him some control over this world, but he's not God. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He doesn't have all those things. And so can he tell the future? Well, I really don't believe he can. So this girl getting a spirit of divination, which the the Latin root of that word just means prophecy. It means the ability to be able to foretell. Okay. And so that's what she's doing. She's predicting the future. Okay. Uh, this is probably a horrible analogy, but it's the one that I've always stuck in my head because I loved the movie so much. There was a movie from years ago where Steve Martin played a tent evangelist kind of guy who was a fortune teller. He was a, a seer oh. of the future. Mm-hmm. It's called Leap of Faith. It's worth the watch if you, if you have an opportunity. <laughs> but in that, it exposes the underbelly of it. It's all just a ruse. You know, this guy is is using, and this was before the days of computers or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just using data that you can gather. And, and this is, again, I took a shot at the Psychic Friends Network, which <laughs> wasn't that nice, but they're doing the same kind of thing. You can get this mass data that tells you trends about sure. how people live yeah. and where you're going. Yep. Well, Satan knows the trends of this world. We're fallen people. We're going to make decisions that, that impact right. us. You know? and, and so in that, could this girl who had the spirit of divination tell people their future by just saying, you're going to seek this, you're going to seek that, and totally know, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going yeah. to Just knowing yeah. the nature of people. Yes. So yeah. do, do I believe this girl had a spirit? 100% do, because Scripture said. Do I believe that she could actually tell the future? 100% do not, because I don't think Satan can. But right. I, I do believe there's plenty of, of you know false information out there and, and information that you can twist that would make people think, oh, they can see the future. Sure. Much like those the, have truths. Much like the like Psychic you. Friends Network, yeah. And, and, and so in that, I, I think that's the deal. And again, as fallen people in this fallen world, we're curious to say, well, I'd love to know the future and we'll shell out money <laughs> to yeah. hear somebody say it. And if it's remotely close to what we would want to be the truth, we're like, I'm all in, right? Mm-hmm. You know? yep. So I think that's what's happening with this particular girl. Her story is one of the neatest in scripture to me because of the fact that what she heralds is nothing but the truth. Like what she's saying is, hey, these dudes are preaching about Jesus. Yeah, it's the way of totally salvation. Totally the truth. Yeah. And, and so you know that is, is a, just a weird, weird dichotomy with what she was just making her mm-hmm. slave owners money. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole, we could go down the whole realm of slavery and what that looks like. And, and so, I mean, there, there's tons and tons of neat conversations you could have about this. I just choose to focus on the fact that once she was delivered... Once Paul says, hey, I've had enough of that, and commands the Spirit out, I think she became part of that church in Philippi. I think she had one of the neatest testimonies you're ever going to hear, because her before and her Jesus I moment bet. and her after was, I was possessed by Satan, and then the Apostle yeah. Paul commanded that Spirit out of me, and after that, 
I realized the truth that Satan was actually having me share was these guys are preaching the way to salvation. Well, what's the way to salvation? It's by responding in faith to Jesus. Right, right. And so I think her testimony was powerful. Well, and her handlers probably dumped her right there. The second, yeah, the second yeah. she couldn't make money for them. So like I said, that's one of those, it was such a big passage and, and we had to take it in context to get all of it. I think you could preach a long time just on her story. Sure. Like we could have done just those three verses and spent a long, long time. <laughs> so, so that's why I'm glad you get an opportunity to come. Uh, to the, the crux of the question, what makes divination, divination different than prophecy? It's not. Uh, the, the root of the word truly is the same. The thing is, when we see biblical prophecy, when we things that, that God predicted through people, I mean, I think about... Well, I mean, you could start at the beginning, Noah's Ark, and, and you know, hey, there's never going to be you know, a flood again. Well, that's God telling us the future. That literally right. is. It's not fortune-telling. It's prophecy. It truly... Sure. Well, God alone can do that. Satan can't do that kind of stuff. Right. And so for us to be able to see the difference, Satan is limited. Satan is very, very limited in the scope and power that God gives him. Mm-hmm. God is not. And so that's really the difference kind of in, in those right. terms, at least. But yeah, the, from the root word, the Latin word... I'm sure I'll mess that up because I I didn't look it up. But I think it literally is like divine. And literally that's all it meant was you're fortune telling. You're you're trying to predict the future. We still see that today. And I've I've made a couple warnings about stuff like this in sermons before. And I'm always a little hesitant to to even name call stuff because I don't want to give people the idea, hey, you should try this or try that. Mm -hmm. So know that I'm even reserved in saying that. But you see weird stuff like this, tarot card readings and Ouija boards and and stuff. I just stay away from that stuff. There's no value in that stuff. (laughs) There's nothing any Christ follower is going to learn that's going to be valuable. And I think you're opening yourself up to go. So stay away. Yeah. So just stay away. Yeah. This is, this is the kind of thing where God gives us again. We were talking earlier about you know the, the fact that we have wisdom that comes from him and we have mm-hmm. the ability to make good choices. Just stay away from that stuff. There's nothing valuable in it. Though there are cheap, uh, churches, uh, one just a couple hours from here, that um, they have a, a practice on prophesying over, over people in, in the audience from the, from the pulpit. Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, any thoughts on that? The re- the reality is, and that's a neat conversation to kind of have, pardon me, the reality of it is, like if you're looking at biblical prophecy, truly that idea of forthtelling, well, there's a difference between I'm forthtelling the gospel, I'm telling the things that that because of revelation from the Lord, we know that are going to happen, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying it before they happen, sure. versus the things that God used, like through the prophets in the Old Testament, you know, sure. the, minor, the minor and major prophets, where it's like, this is a thing that's going to come true that you don't know about yet. You know, and, and so I, I just think there's that, that that subtle difference. We have to be really, really careful. If you have somebody in the body who says, "Well, I can tell you what's going to happen in the future. I can tell you this, or I can tell you that," are we evaluating that the same way Scripture tells us to say, "Okay, I'm going to check this against God's inspired Word." Right. And if it's accurate, then okay, I'm fine with it. But if it's not accurate, I mean, that was the Old Testament test for prophecy. And and, and I'm not you know making this up. You can you know, sure yep. you had to be a hundred percent right. Or you died. Yeah. And so yeah. like in I, the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. So I would be super, super careful about calling anything prophecy for fear that I'm like, because if I'm wrong, I'm gone. In, in, that, yes. in that sense of the word, yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the deal to me. Can can, can we sit and say, well, I think God's working in this way and it's going to lead us this way. If it's towards sanctification, if it's towards salvation, it's towards Christ's return, towards all these things that have already been revealed in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. We can all do that. Yes. And 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 that's kind of incumbent upon us as part of being ambassadors for Christ. 
if it's going to be something that's not been already revealed in his word, I think those are neat things to think about and, and to talk about what our different sanctification journeys look like. Right. But I would never call those things prophecy because <laughs> yeah. I think that's just too dicey. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too Different scary. level. Yes. So. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, so looking ahead to this coming Sunday. Another fun um, week, yeah. We will again be traveling with mm-hmm. Paul and Silas through Amphipol... Amph- you say it. You go ahead. <laughs> Amphipolis. Amphipolis and Apollonia. <laughs> On to Thessalonica. That way I can say that. And I thought nice. I was going to be funny when I put that in there just to see if I could wrap my tongue around it. So everyone else is going to get a lesson in diction. So come prepared. But anyway, they're going to end up in Thessalonica. Yeah, I'll just breeze real fast through it. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> and, a, and actually, even in that passage, we'll go through verse 15, and they'll end up in Berea, too, and we'll spend some time there, because that's we, we still get that uh, charge today, and, and there are Berean churches, that and that, that's a kind of a charge or a call in our lives. Hey, be Berean. Right. And this is the passage where we foresee those are people who didn't just take anybody's word for it. Like Paul and Silas would say, mm-hmm. hey, this is you know the word of the Lord, and they would go back and study God's word. And so... That's a great call. That's a great charge for any church today. Sure. Hey, be Berean. Don't just, just because Pastor James said it or just because Pastor Forrest said it, think it's true. Yeah. Make sure it aligns with God's word. So again, the, the things that are practical for us in our in our walk today, in our theology today, from Paul's missionary journeys, it, it should jump out off the page for us every week that we study. So sure. Sure. excited about that. And a little shorter, and that, little and shorter passage this week too. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, right. Something just occurred to me and, and you've, you've mentioned it two or three times now about checking what you hear, checking what you see or read, check it against the scripture. That's the thing we're supposed to do. And always refer back. So if you're studying or uh, you're studying the book of Revelation, you know, make sure that what you're studying on, you know, lines up with with what the rest of scripture is. Scripture as a whole is is important. Well, and that's what we talk about, and, and I learned it in Bible study methods, but this idea of correlating God's word. Mm-hmm. Like if it says it somewhere, then we have to say, okay, what's the context going on there, and does that fit in the big picture of where God is going? Because there are examples of things in Scripture that God uses that are not supposed to be prescriptive for us day in and day out. Sure. He's just using that as a particular sermon illustration or whatever. Mm-hmm. I always think of the famously the rich young ruler where he says, good teacher, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. And you remember what Jesus said, sell your stuff, give it to the poor. Well, that ain't part of the gospel <laughs> at all. Like I can read all through scripture and not see that. Well, he didn't mean for it to be prescriptive as part of the gospel. That's Jesus being Jesus, sure. knowing things about people and saying, this dude is so caught up on his stuff. I'll just cut right to the chase. I'll yeah. just challenge him on that. Yeah. Well, that's not then now for you and me to sell all our stuff and take a vow of poverty. It's to say, do we understand there are things we're placing before Jesus? Right. And, and this comes back to you, the Matthew 6, you know, seek him first, put him first. He takes care of everything else. Mm-hmm. That is prescriptive, you know. And, and so we need to correlate scripture. You can't take, and, and this is the problem with people who want to cherry pick scripture and go, well, this verse says this and that, you know, mm-hmm. you're taking that wildly out of context. <laughs> yeah. That's not designed to be the thing that, that everybody else hangs their hat on. That is a thing that God used because he's God and because he knows hearts and, and sees hearts the way we don't. So yeah. w- for the Bereans, that's the thing that is that honestly the most laudable quality they had. Paul comes in and other people might've said, oh, that's Paul. That's the celebrity pastor and he's this and that. So mm-hmm. whatever he says, well, how much trouble would we get into if we followed just what some of the celebrity pastors of today <laughs> Not are. Not a safe bet anymore. <laughs> it's not a safe bet. No. Well, it wasn't back then either. And there were these guys who were false teachers, come, and many of them had big followings, yeah. but they weren't preaching the gospel. Tickling ears. 
You exactly. Know, whatever exactly. the topic of the day was. Yep. So, and we're still hearing that same thing today. So we'll hear about that more this week. <laughs> so makes it even more important for us to read yeah. the word of God and, and know, know what it, it says. Yeah. yeah. Don't take somebody so. else's word for it. No. And like I say, I, I try to say it pretty often. I hope it comes out several times a year. Just because I said it does not make it true. Anything I say, if it's, and, and, and I, I know I've said this point blank before, man, if I'm saying something that's, that's opposite of what God's word is, you got to get rid of me. Like, I, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, the thing I'm supposed to do is point towards what God is telling us to mm-hmm. do, period. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this week. So we hope that you enjoyed this week's Midpoint. And uh, if anybody out there would like to send in questions or comments, thoughts into the show. We love the questions. Just please email us or text us at occpodcast at org. And be sure to join us in service on Sunday at, at uh, 9 o'clock and again at 9.30. And again on 10:30. Monday, 9 and 10.30. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then again mon- Monday night at 7 o'clock. You got it. So hope to see you all very soon. Be well and know that you are loved by God and Orchard's Community Church. All right. Love you guys.